all smiles as the new season begins. But for some, it's already over. Shark star Wade Graham is our special guest. Australia finding new and interesting ways to annoy their opponents. Andrew Bogut breaks a leg and a record. A cab for just 58 seconds. The good, the bad and the ugly of Nick Kyrgios. We bend over backwards to bring you the best in sport. I've got two words for you. The back page what a win for so much sport, so little time. They continue to speak before they think. I'll be about as relaxed as Jeff Benny can a spelling bee. It'll cost him his job. All about the fans and what brings kids back. One of Australia's biggest rivalries. Sport doesn't stop and neither do we. Hello, buddy. Great to have your company for another massive week in sport. Well, let's get straight into it with these people, Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Hello and welcome to you both. Lovely to see you. And on this side, Adam Spencer and Adelaide Radio shock jock, Jules Schiller. <laughs> yes, or it's the ABC. ABC. Yeah, it was a Julian rather Julian, than Jules. Julian, yes. See, where's my chill sharp? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jules, the, the amazing I... thing is he works at the ABC and after today he's still got a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to promote him on Twitter and then I got this feedback after promoting Jules Schiller, Jules Schiller, one bloke said, I don't even know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's wow. a friendly Welcome invite. Back. Welcome, yeah, back. Right, yeah. Welcome back. All right, the NRL season 2017 is up and running. A sensational start. And I think this probably best sums up how good round one was. Dancing along. Haven't been many sightings of these lately, obviously, uh, the dragon. A win, Kel. Yes. I asked you last week, yeah. before we went on air, what are your dragons going to do this year? And you said they will finish on the bottom of the ladder Here's and be lucky if the coach would still be there. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that result on Saturday, Tony, I thought, I betcha in the first two minutes, mm -hmm. Tony Squires puts up the ladder. I've already got that made into a T-shirt, so it doesn't matter what <laughs> happens next week or beyond, yeah. it's there for history. Because we all know yeah. what's going to happen next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will. It was a great effort from the, from the Dragons. Several other teams as well. The Cowboys, they love being involved in it absolute thriller, no matter what end of the season. It happened again. This is a sensational golden point, but how that works with a dodgy kick from JT, who does love a <laughs> drop goal, yeah. and still gets the try under the post in golden point. Reminiscent of that great origin one a few years ago. Was yep. Wally Lewis on the crossbar and the yeah. dish dowling yeah. ran through the mud and just slid over? But I still think, you know, if you only had one segment for your time capsule on how great Thurston is, I mean, it's extra time. He's sweaty. He's probably lost a couple of kilos in the game. And he tries the field goal and is second. He almost scores the try. Yep. Has that ever happened in the history of the game? <laughs> no, it's but he's the, it's the cattle dog in him that lifts him above rivals for the, for the greatest player of all time. Like, he, he's just, he's the king and he's the cleaner. He does it all. And he gets you just jumping up off your couch, oh, doesn't yeah, he? I mean, yeah. if you're sitting back and you're watching, how good, they would have to be one of the best value for money teams going around. Yeah, and the heartbeat is just his desperation. The blokes that cut up the videos say that every time they're under a, a, an opposition try, the hand coming into the corner of the screen trying to save, it's always Thurston, you know. Jordan Rapana, in that golden point, he wasn't happy with the forward pass decision that was made in the lead-up to what he believed was a try. As you can see it there, it is there. Uh, and he, of course, goes through, does the beautiful backing up, goes over to score the try. It's called back, uh, two fingers there. Two more fingers hit. Oh. He 
He lost interest in that halfway through that bird. Yeah, I, yeah he, cock, he, cocked, he cocked it, but it didn't fire it, did it? <laughs> it was just kind of halfway. It's got to go halfway above the perpendicular, doesn't it, to, to be... Oh, I, I thought he was trying to explain the man moving forward, therefore the ball going forward, in terms of Einstein's theory of general relativity. <laughs> so, so if I'm moving in that direction at almost the speed of light and I shine a light in that direction, Your Honour. <laughs> <laughs> Which sums up his penalty, the warning letter. letter. Like, you go to your letterbox and, oh, you know, the rates, you know, uh, real estate. Oh, I've got a warning letter for the bird. Yeah, but, but that half-baked, mate, don't do that again. Yeah, which is, I should warn the NRL, because my seven-year-old Harry has been dropping the bird a fair bit of late, and I, my punishment has been a little bit wishy-washy, and it hasn't deterred him at all. So maybe they could have gone a little bit stronger on Jordan Rapana. They haven't, though. Uh, but while the two-finger salute uh, goes unpunished virtually in the NRL, rugby's referees demand respect. They're even yellow-carding the ball boys. Have a look at this. Uh, there's Nigel on the referee. You can see the ball boy there on the sideline. Throws it in. Boom. In the straight uh -oh. in the back, obviously deliberate. Yellow card. Off you go, sunshine. How far does the power of the yellow card go? Because I thought it was for players. It's coaches now, ball boys. <laughs> Can you go up to the bar and if the beer isn't good, <laughs> red card, the bar isn't. Only his thing of that though. He's a like he's a real character. He's got his own quiz show in Wales and you know a bit of a jester. But what a, a great moment for rugby. Yeah. There was yeah. a moment in a game of football once. Paul Gascoigne, the English hothead, um, and a, a referee tripped over and his card fell out of his pocket. And Paul Gascoigne picked it up and jokingly showed the card to the referee. The referee took the card off him and red carded Paul Gascoigne <laughs> for dissent. <laughs> Some guys take it a little bit seriously. Because the big uh, story of the weekend in rugby league was the injury to Greg Inglis. Uh, he's done his ACL on the left knee. He's going to be out for the season. Now, the big talking point, I guess, was the fact this happened fairly early in the game, yet he stayed on for, what, 57 minutes. He played through. They could step inside him. Uh, he just couldn't move laterally. Played on. ACL gone. Complete and utter madness. And, Kel, can you imagine anything like that happening in the AFL? Every other code is looking on, and I've spoken to officials from it, and just couldn't believe it. Even David Schwartz, your Melbourne demon, yeah. and, like who's had many a knee injury, he said, you just know, or, or yeah. you know when something's serious. Well, I mean, if you even if they said at half-time they didn't know it was an ACL, you know that it's a strain, or you know that it's a tear, and to see him hobbling around out there, and he, sure, he's one big, tough sort of bugger in a sense, isn't he? He's not going to say, OK, take me off, I want to I stay out there. It's round one. Yep. Yeah. It's the grand final. It's Greg Inglis. You should be wrapping him in cotton wool because we want to see him as play as long as possible. So the hey, mind boggles, really. Hey, doesn't talk about statements you've heard that are completely false and you've heard them 50 times. How about this one? Uh, he left out there because it was deemed he couldn't do any further damage. Yeah. I've heard that one 50 <laughs> times. I reckon 45, they've sustained further damage, you yeah. know? Does it mean damage also to state of origin for him? Fascinating question, and I was all set to say, of course it does. Will Chambers has come in, will probably come in. He's not Greg Inglis, but this team is ageing. Inglis hasn't been great in origin for a few years. He's 30, and at some stage there's got to be a bit of regeneration. So yep. while the short-term answer is, oh, yes, of course, and they love the sight of him just walking to the dressing room, the big fella, mm -hmm. you know, but maybe it could prove a blessing, a young kid coming through. All right, look, as someone whose idea of training is to wear track pants while watching the telly, uh, I admire Jared Hayne's so-called bad training attitude. <laughs> but he's not happy with the media claims that he was fined for it by his teammates. Is it true? I mean, he's come back, obviously. They played the Roosters at the weekend. Uh, there's all sorts of talk about how he likes to get out of training. Has he come back uh, not looking the goods? Absolutely. And, Tony, we've got a very strong back page tomorrow in the Courier Mail 
really putting the acid on Hayne. Here it is, final call. How will Rugby League remember you, Jared? Really, this is your moment right now. Peter Bedell reveals that he came back 106 kilograms what? in January. He was sacked from the leadership group. He was then sent to the fat camp, you know, to get fit. And, you know, this is a guy in a million dollars a year. It's totally and utterly unacceptable. And this is a club. You know what the Gold Coast are? They're a gritty little bunch who play for each other. They're no, not many stars amongst them, but they have a go. And, and so that's where he's such a bad fit. Hayne really needs to get back to doing what he's best at, which is showing pornography to school kids. That's <laughs> <laughs> once, once he gets back to his yeah, roots. Yeah. You, you just hope that he's not up there sort of strutting around thinking that he's better than everyone else because, sure, he's played in the NFL and he's had these amazing experiences. And I guess the coach and the club that decided to bring him in, you would hope, why not set an example? Why not be a mentor to the young kids and say, share some of those experiences? I mean, he should be the one setting the example on the training track. He's been exposed to some amazing things throughout his career. And he's been doing some terrific tweeting and blaming the media for, for a lot. As Andrew Webster in the Herald said, kind of Donald Trump style. But Titans coach Neil Henry, who I reckon is an absolute... This, some of those tweets right there was meant to be a cap session. This is one, allegedly, he, you know, he didn't get to the captain session and went to Sydney for training. What he said at the end, Media will milk it. Fake news. Fake news. Fake, Fake news. news. It's very uh, Trump-like, isn't very it? It's just the, the angry tweet. It absolutely is. So he's not happy, obviously, that uh, Titans coach Neil Henry, he's an impressive operator, has been for a long time. He's got a great deal out of this team. He wasn't impressed with a number of questions on Hayne today. So so much so that he actually had a little walkout. Have a look. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything on the Hayne stuff, so not too much is nothing. So that's the end of that conversation. And I said we've addressed it and, uh, and that's it. We're moving on to this week. Which game? Thank Are you. Are you hopeful that there's no more headlines? See, he had been asked several questions to that point. He's usually a very unruffled figure, isn't he? Yeah, but I'm not sure that he really gets the whole media thing, and that's a bad look. It is, isn't and, it? And he's one of his early statements about Hayne when he landed on the coast. It's not up to Jared to fit in around us. It's around us to fit in around him. That's trouble because it creates this bigger than the game image, and that's exactly what Hayne thinks he is. But that's the little bit of crack showing there, isn't it? Oh, they're yeah. not oh, all that, happy, yeah, that. and and that's. I mean, you made the decision to pay him big bucks. You made the decision to bring him into your club. You have to answer the questions of the that, media. That, that bit from the coach there sounded a lot like the prime minister has my unconditional support. We <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all know what that means. All right, the Queenslanders uh, only show uh, had a great start for you, Crash. I should point out they even ran a snippet on the professor's second year syndrome on Friday night. Looking good, Crash. Uh, <laughs> just Queenslanders. This is your new show, Crash. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, oh, going to come back to haunt you. Yeah. I particularly like the animals you managed to bring in there. The chickens and the pigs. Yeah, that's about enough laughter, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I've right. got a pair of those overalls at home. Like, it took me to go three quarters along the panel to realise, oh, it's a G up. Kevin, look, the div and braces look good on Kevin, too, I have to say. Tim Simona has faced the NRL Integrity Unit detailing his gambling issues and the problems that lead him to place bets on games he was involved in. Now, there's been talk that he faces a life ban. These are including the idea that he, in fact, put money on his direct opposite, being the first try scorer. A life ban is a young guy, that's a big, very, very big stick. Mm. I'd, I'd give him a couple of years for sure, because, but not life. Life, you ruin someone's life, and, and rugby league is all about redemption. You, know, you can get these guys back. He wasn't part of an organised betting syndicate. He was just a dumb kid. But I've got to say, it's a big moment for them because they rarely catch what they're looking for. Remember that big betting scandal a year ago down yep. Manly Way? Yep. 
Where's that happened? Well, like, it's vanished without trace. Police are still investigating that. Yeah, but I mean, like, how long do you investigate? Mm. Like, these things just vaporise, so they've got someone. Mm. So they're on trial as much as he is. Everyone's looking at them, but I hope the kid doesn't get life. few years for sure. Yeah, that decision will be happening probably sometime next week. All right, I'm not saying uh, this jockey had money on a horse other than the one he was on, but what is going on here? As he comes along, looks like he's going to win this for all money, and then... Mm -mm. I'll just have a little early dismount. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> Look, it may well have been a very rough ride, Jules, but... I'm straight into the boogie's yeah. tent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of all the runners I did from cabs. The door open. All right, to Bangalore, where suddenly India has turned up in the second test. What a disappointment it is that they have turned up. It's been intense, hasn't it? We've, we've seen today, surprisingly, that Josh Hazelwood was the man. The quick bowler's got most of the wickets for Australia and India's second wicket after Nathan Lyons got that eight for in the first dig. Josh Hazelwood taking advantage of a pitch that is still doing a heap. Yeah, he kicked himself after the previous night. He said, I've got to bowl straight, I've got to bowl straight. I'll just get wickets and look at him. Straight, straight, straight. Fantastic. Only great fast bowlers get wickets in India. You know, so many yeah. haven't. The, him and Stark are so underrated. But this test match reached volcanic intensity, like absolutely ferocious. And the desperation of it is something we've rarely seen in cricket. Like, there's never been another Indian cr cricketer quite like Virat Kohli. People may say, look Here at this, you know, look at Kohli, just in your face aggression. People say, oh, I saw Rav Ganguly like to blue, but he was conniving and sneaky. This guy stares you from about a metre away and says, cop that. That's him to Steve Smith. Yeah, two Get guys lost. at a bar there, aren't See they? you later. Yeah, but, I mean, this is a man under, I mean, what, the most pressure in his career. They won 19 yeah. test matches in a row. So the cracks are starting to show. And how does he respond? He gets more aggressive, in yeah. a sense, doesn't he? And he attacks more. But it's very Australian, isn't it, though? Yeah. I mean, you recognise the Steve Walls and everything. And this test series, it's, it's incredible how much we've fallen back in love with the Australian cricket team with this. I, I was at the pub last night. No, yeah. I don't have a fridge in Adelaide yet. Good I don't have refrigeration <laughs> in Adelaide. No. And, and there were just guys there watching and girls, but everyone started to talk to each other about the team, about yeah. Coley went out and about... And this is what this cricket team is doing to the rest of Australia. We're now bonding over cricket again. I remember the last time when the Indians played here a couple of years ago and yep. I, I loved Coley. He was aggressive. He was uppity. Yep. For mine in this series, he's crossed the line from dude what? to dickhead. Yeah, he's just... <laughs> It's, it's one thing to be aggressive, but when you start you're mouthing a guy off, when you're the captain in clear view of the camera telling people to F this and F that... Yeah, but that's, that's a man under pressure, isn't it? Yeah, I think it, I'm, it's, it's lost its shine for me. Yeah. I, I, I loved him when yeah, he was same. out here last time. Same, yeah. And he was competitive. And, and now I, I tell you he's very easy to say, Adam, from dude to dickhead is yeah. a great country uh, yeah. song title. <laughs> <laughs> Really <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the jury's out of whether it's worked with his players, though. Mm. Like, Ravi Ashwin's quite a sensitive bloke, and he's just... Ravi, you know, just really put the heat in them. And, and some of them have, have actually wavered. You can see it in their eyes. They're fearful of him. He's got a slightly hysterical edge at the moment, hasn't oh, he? So has Ishant Sharma. I yeah. mean, he's amazing. He bowled really well to be quick in this test. He's aggressive with the ball, but look, the way he... His face... Yeah, this is Steve Smith having a big yell back at him. But the facial contortions... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. He's like having a prostate exam, yeah, isn't he? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's doing?
It is good. They've all been incredibly aggressive. It's been impossible to take your eyes off the yeah. test, which makes it so weird that they were going to find the groundsman uh, for the, the last test in Pune because of a seemed slightly dodgy uh, wicket. This, again, is amazing. Tone, don't start me. It is the most ridiculous thing. As Peter Roebuck used to say when they tried to find groundsman for dodgy decks, have they ever asked the public? Yeah. Ever say to the people, what do you think? Are you enjoying this? What about those roads where 600 plays 500? It's been the most compelling thing. Sure, you wouldn't want every test deck like these two, but they've been two, two of the greatest test matches we've seen and for decades. It's so unpredictable. Mm. I mean, this was a spinner's wicket on day one, yeah. and then today yeah. it was the fast bowlers doing all the damage. Go figure. Yeah. Steve Smith, even without the bat, can do some very oh. pretty things. Oh. First slip. What about this catch? Just amazing. Bang. At the concentration, firstly, but yeah. he actually takes that. The ball is behind yeah. him, isn't yeah. it? And, and the batsman goes for the run. Look, yeah. he yeah. has no idea he's going to catch it. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Hayden described that as the best catch he'd ever seen live. Yeah, and, and it, look, it's, you tend to say, oh, lucky grab, but he practices like that. You see him, he's just jumping everywhere at training. He finishes filthy. And in a Jonathan Thurston sort of way, does all the little things. Yeah. You know, fantastic. In a game where everybody seems to be pulling faces and being nasty towards each other, what about Matt Renshaw? I know you're very oh. fond of what's going on there with this kid. He just seems to love being out there, no matter what's happening in the contest. It's all smiles. Oh, the smiling and just the reaction. I mean, he sounds so smart, Adam. He sounds so level-headed. It's like... He obviously really enjoys playing cricket, but the fact this is the first time he's ever been in India in this intense battle, we've seen it in sport over so many years when you throw young kids at the Wolves in, in that intense cauldron-like atmosphere, they're fearless. And he said he was smiling for a couple of reasons. One, he said, I find sometimes when I smile, it just it actually affects them and irritates them more. Yeah. And he said, too, to be honest, some of the stuff Merrick Coley was saying about me needing to go to the toilet was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it, was. it was actually pretty how funny. Good was that? How, how, how refreshing is it to hear that? If you're right. unfazed by gastro, you're unfazed by anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Just sliding back quickly to the first innings, uh, Australia in the field, Nathan Lyon, remarkable figures, eight for 50. He came over here with a bit of pressure on him. Obviously, it was Stephen O'Keefe in the last test, but he come, he's come good oh. in that innings. Yeah, absolutely. And, look, there's an old saying that every career needs just that thunderclap moment that defines you, that, yep. that people may define your argue your worth. You might be good or bad, but you need something you can say, you know, I'll always have Bangalore. Yeah. You know, and, and this was his moment. His defining moment as a test player. And it's such great to see, because he's just sandpapered away for years and years. Everyone's on his back. He's always going to be dropped. And the little Aussie bleeder, the old-fashioned cricket just keeps going. It's fantastic. So romantic. We'll always have Bangalore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite up there with we'll always have Paris. Paris. No. <laughs> we'll always have Wangaratta. <laughs> Remember that stopover in Dubbo? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Crash. Still a couple of weeks away from the AFL season uh, to begin. Gee, it's nice to see Buddy up and about. Uh, this is obviously the Swannies and the uh, GWS. They went at it hard, didn't they? It was a magic game. There was a bit about halfway through the third quarter when both these teams went from this is another pre-season hit out to I really want to win this. You could feel the intensity go up. Buddy grabs a couple of goals early. Swans hold on. GWS come back, but the Swans oh, was a pretty good effort considering the quality of the list that GWS put I've out that night. I've never seen two people look so look excited about a practice game in my life. Let's move good. on. It's a practice you know, no, game. I've got about ten more minutes of yep. vision. He, he, I just look, want to show he, you something. Serious shoulder Rico. So to have him back and um, turn 30 only a month or so ago and about to start his fourth year at the Swans. And so. it was a good thing he tested the shoulder really early. He did. Uh, which is good against this young kid. Uh, <laughs> That, that is, is... I mean, he was he was pushed in himself by yeah. Mummy. 
Mummy gave him the shoulder and he just passed it on. I think it's all fair. But he's back. Threatened by Buddy and Mumford. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He came back and kicked a goal, that yeah. kid, which is really great yeah. to see. All right, then, given that the yes season proper isn't underway, no real surprise the space is being filled by arguments over what colour strip the Gold Coast will wear when they play Port Adelaide in China. Gosh, he's not happy uh, about them turning up in the national colours of China. There was an the oversight. Port, Port did an oversight in the contract and didn't realise that, uh, that the Gold Coast could turn up in their traditional strip, which happens to be the Chinese national colours. Mm. And the Chinese take colour and numbers and that sort of stuff very seriously. But I'll be honest with you, if Port Power had been thinking, if we play this right, there is just going to be this tsunami of Chinese tourists who will bypass the Gold Coast Mm. and come to Port Power. <laughs> I think they were slightly naive. I think they were slightly... Well, after midnight, Port Adelaide's also referred to as a forbidden city. <laughs> 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 Bottom line is, is, the Suns have actually given up their home game for the cash, so they've taken the half a million dollars. So if you give up your home game, you give up all the rights around your home game, which includes wearing your home strips. Yeah. So they should be wearing white. The Port Adelaide? Suns. Oh, oh no, it's their colours. Yes. You can wear your colours, Look, it, can't you? It's like you, inviting you can... the Brisbane Lions to play against you in London saying you're the Lions, that's England's national symbol, yeah. you can't be that. I mean, yeah. they I mean, know I... what they are. The, the irony is the factory that probably makes all the AFL jumpers is next to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> they can change them in a minute's notice. The Brisbane Lions are still unbeaten in the AFL women's game, getting towards the, uh, the end here. It's been great, Kel. It has, and Jules was excited because a week ago before this game, it looked like the grand final would be at Adelaide Oval. They might yep. get more than 30,000. Now, the Brisbane Lions, five from five. They have been the real surprise packet. So it looks like they will host the grand final. And the debate's on, do they go to the Gabba, where it's a standalone? You can rock up for free. Do they get 15, maybe 20,000? Or do you take it crash to Gold Coast, to Carrara, and have a doubleheader with the men's round one season opener, which will be the Q Clash, the derby? No, they've done enough for me. They should be at the Gabba. And they have redefined the club. You know, there are people... These girls go to functions and the people are walking past male players yep. to get to them and talk mm. to them. The whole self-esteem of that club, which last year sacked Justin Lepich, was in turmoil, has lifted by and these girls. Just it's fantastic. quickly a word on their coach, Craig Stasevich, Premiership player for Collingwood, Mr Invisible. He has just stepped back and let the players tell the story so far, but he was so excited after that thrilling top-of-the-table clash win at Norwood Oval on uh, Saturday night that he got a little sort of, you know, did the big fist pump oh, and he smashed the window oh. in the coach's box at Norwood Oval. So That's a happy smash. That right? is a happy <laughs> smash. That's not an Alistair Clarkson smash. That's a yes. That's so he has, it's all fine and he's going he's to um, pay for the repairs. Great. But great story, Craig Stasevich. Love, Love what he's doing. Uh, look, it's not a sentence I've said before, but uh, this umpire has become very popular over the past few days. He is the speedy umpire. Watch him come into play here. He has... Whoa! <laughs> 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 this bit's even better. Northern <laughs> He loves to run. They call him Forrest Ump. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he has, he has gastro. God, he go. Look, he's single-minded. He's just doing laps. Forrest Ump. <laughs> yeah. well, that's pun of the evening. Oh, already. Note, note to self, use that again. <laughs> Uh, look, Adam, you were impressed, obviously, with another couple of runners saw that you saw. this epic 60-yard race during the week. 92-year-old Dixon Hempel yeah. out of the blocks like an absolute slash here. Yeah. But he's gone out a little bit hard, and as the lactic starts to kick in, 99-year-old <laughs> yeah. Orville, Orville Rogers oh, comes no. at him in the shadow of the post. 
Is there anything more yeah. 99 and 92 than Orville versus Dixon? Oh, yes. <laughs> Look at that, go. Get there, Orville. Get there. Well <laughs> run, son. Yes. And I have it on good authority that our 99-year-old Orville yeah. uh, celebrated with his girlfriend, Ethel. She <laughs> yeah. was 104. And they went absolutely wild. Well done, nice Orville. Yeah. <laughs> and as we always say, that win was, of course, wind-assisted. <laughs> right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not a massive fan of wrestling, but they start them young in Pennsylvania. This four-year-old, look, he seems to be as, re as reluctant as me to take on his uh, five-year-old female opponent. <laughs> just run away! <laughs> <laughs> I love, as he goes his second lap, just the, uh, the shrug of the shoulders from the girl going, well, what the hell am I supposed yeah. to do? <laughs> That's one girl, Jeff. Yeah. We're all like that in the primary school playground. Yeah. Quarantine, quarantine. Uh, he does actually come back in and has a crack a, a little bit later on. All right, still to come on the show, Wade Graham drops by. All the hits and misses from a big weekend in football. Plus, Andrew Bogus' first game for the NBA champions ends in disaster. for the first 250-kilometer okay, installment, Adelaide style. Great jump by Van Gisbergen. Shane Van Gisbergen makes a very big statement to commence 2017. Race number two of the championship in 2017. Nice job, Fabian Coulthard. He drops the clutch and immediately grabs position. Van Gisbergen had to cover and look at McLaughlin trying to round him up. It's a Shell V power one, two. Van Gisbergen throws it down the inside. Does he get there? He does. That was wild. And it's all going on down to turn one and two. Scott McLaughlin's got to get out of the mirror. He's got the man locked up. And Van Gisbergen down the inside to the lead. And now Van Gisbergen wins the 2017 Pretzel 500. Yeah, another brilliant performance by Shane Van Gisbergen to win the Clipsaw 500 in Adelaide. Picked up where he left off as champion last year. Jules, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, someone tweeted said, are you the closest thing the ABC has to a V8 Bogan? I did go. It was fun. The Giz did the biz. Uh, and um, it was Holden v Ford, which is what every V8 fan wants to see. But unfortunately, it was Kiwi versus Kiwi. Uh, and I, I would say that uh, the Triple Eight Racing Holden team and uh, Shane Van Gisbergen could be the Mercedes-Lewis-Hamilton combination this year in the V8s. He was absolutely dominant. Yeah, and awesome. uh, one in his first year with the team could take all before him this year. Just brilliant. All right, terrible news for Aussie superstar Andrew oh. Bogut, who lasted just 58 seconds in his debut with the Cleveland Cavs before breaking his tibia. You see him go down. That seems innocuous enough, Kel, doesn't it? Oh. Down he goes. You can, he's going, it's broken. It's broken. He knew straight away, didn't he? Has there been anyone in any sport that has had such rotten bad luck as that man on screen? When you look back at the injuries in his 12 years in the NBA, the first one was that, you know, he held onto the dunk for too long, Landed on the elbow, dislocated that. Someone stepped on his foot, broke his foot. Then yeah. he's had the knee, yeah. and now this looks like a, a broken lower leg. Just broke a finger counting his money. He is very, very <laughs> yeah. unlucky. Isn't broke, he? broke a leg falling off his wallet. Yeah. <laughs> and what about LeBron? I mean, he went there. He he took it. He had better offers, and yeah. he went for less money because he wanted to play with LeBron. Mm. And that playoff uh, clash against what would have been his former team, the Warriors, which is what we we're all yeah. looking forward to. But he, he said that, uh, that you could kind of hear him mouth it that he'd you know he'd heard it break. So could his teammate, as you mentioned, LeBron James. Have a listen. I heard a break. Oh, man. Like a snap. 
Yeah, I heard it break. As soon as the, as soon as the collision happened, I heard it break. And, uh, and when I went over to him and he said it, I had already knew. I already, I heard it. I heard it crack. That's those elite athletes. I mean, he heard that break before it actually happened. That's him, mate. LeBron heard it about it three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible powers. It's amazing. Uh, rotten luck for Andrew Boger, but at least he has the support of his teammates, unlike this guy. Uh, I do like this. He's just... It, he watched the ball come out here, and it comes back in very, very quickly, and... Poof. Oh. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's not all that funny, because that oh. is a massive That's shot. dodgeball. It is dodgeball, straight to the head. Brilliant work. All right, Nick Kyrgios the name. Gave us a bit of everything in Mexico this week. Uh, childish abuse of the crowd, a standard loss in the semi-final and a brilliant win over former world number one Novak Djokovic. When you seem like this, Kel, yep. that's what it's about. This isn't is it? the perplexing puzzle of Nick Kyrgios because yeah. he gets up for these matches, he cares, he's motivated. Here's a little stat for you. The first time he played Federer, Nadal and then Djokovic for the first time this week he beat them for the first time on every occasion. So to to me, that is even more frustrating because it highlights he's not fit enough to play five sets over two weeks in a Grand Slam. On pure talent alone, when he's in the mood, he can beat the world's best. It is incredible. I go along with the theory that he's beaten those other three and that sometimes they can criticise him very harshly, but the one guy who loves him, Andy Murray, he can't beat. Do you go along with the theory that he's got to be punched up and, and, you know, really motivated. Well, I mean, it's so, it's so obvious that it's so mental with him every yeah. match that he plays, isn't it? But it's physical as well. I mean, he needs to get fit. Um, but imagine being the psychologist sitting down trying to explain the puzzle that is Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, it is mental with him and here he is being mental. Here's his taunt telling fans to just shut the F up, which is pretty much what all of Australia's been trying to tell him for the past two years. <laughs> it just... That childish thing just gets at him, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I mean, I know we talk about his talent, but tennis is about consistency and yeah. it's about endurance. That's so it. what does it matter if he has talent? I mean, it's, we're not going to see it applied to winning a Grand Slam or... I mean, he's won, what, a one tournament in Japan with all he's that talent? He's won a couple. He's won a couple. I mean, we sat here last week and we talked about James O'Connor and what a waste of talent. Now, Nick Kyrgios hasn't done anything illegal, um, but at the same time, are we going to be sitting here in, you know... Yeah. Eight, he's nearly 22, eight years' time, saying, what, what a waste of talent. Oh, and the thing is with him, he's so close. I mean, you know, he's just a better player than Tomic, isn't he? Like, some blokes are wasted talents near 80 in the world. This kid's just this far away from being... Uh, Outstanding. And we it? see Renshaw, we're talking about his age, a 20-year-old, and you were yeah. talking about the biggest cauldron or laughing, taking shtick from Coley yeah. under pressure. And, and so we allow Kyrgios, who's earning a lot more money and travelling yeah. the world yeah. off the hook. So one's a lot more grounded. Yeah, I reckon the American website Deadspin pretty much summed up Kyrgios best with this headline, uh, when Nick... Why did you come to us for a debate? <laughs> Just like that. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's so good. At least, as you mentioned, that uh, Kyrgios is playing well sporadically. Bernard Tomic can't even bring himself to finish matches. This is amazing. Citing unbearable heat for pulling out of the match in, in Mexico. It was 27 degrees. No, no, no. Do not lo until you've been on a slightly balmy day in Acapulco. <laughs> you don't know how debilitating it is, don't you? You've had a couple too many cocktails, okay. you lick the salt off one too many margaritas and you can dry up very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> he has really, really lost it. But on a positive note, Ashley Barty uh, is back in tennis, won the Malaysian Open. It was 33 degrees there. <laughs> she seemed to have no problems whatsoever. But, you know, she had that sabbatical, yep. she's come back. Great story. Two years out of it, went and played cricket, was yeah. told probably she'd need to knuckle down for at least three years to become an elite uh, cricketer, um, be world-class level. And she realised that all her talents was really with tennis. 
Yes, and I just want to single out quickly one person that's largely responsible for why she's back playing, and that is Casey Delacqua. They're travelling the world this year as a doubles team. Yep. So Delacqua's just playing doubles, sort of a big sister mentor mm. role, and they uh, won the Malaysian Open in doubles as well. So well done to Casey, getting Ash, who's an amazing talent, yep. back out there. Yeah, it's a good story. Um, all right, look, small things can really upset tennis players. Taylor Fritz here was really concerned about this moth that's on the court, and it takes him a long time. He's just really worried about it. Just the flick. Obviously doesn't want any damage no. to come to mm. the moth, but does want it to get off. You can see the ball girl just kind of wondering what the hell he's doing. Going, look, I can, I can solve this problem. I can, I can absolutely solve this problem. <laughs> there you go. It's not, it's not unbearable hit. It's unbearable pressure she brings to bear in our Every moth is sacred. Is that the... <laughs> absolutely. As a young kid in sport, the first lesson you're taught is always keep your eye on the bat or the ball, whichever one comes at you, like this bloke in the Mets dugout at the weekend. Now, this is at spring training at spring camp. Now watch the ease. Everybody else is just trying to dodge out of the way of the bat, but have a look at him. Yep, there. Oh, I got it. let go of the rope. <laughs> <laughs> no smile either. Yeah. Look, look at that. that. Oh, wow. Dude. That is one cool dude with the sunnies. <laughs> Seen plenty of baseball bats turning into missiles over the years, so they feature as this week's top Five. And we start with another bat into the dugout. But this teammate, teammate wasn't uh, very happy at all. As you can see, the bat flies in. Uh, again, taking the eyes off the bat. And second time, <laughs> twice! It's twice! <laughs> the hit, Mr. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number four, if you're going to maim someone, preferably it's the opposition, so I quite like this one. Uh, split the bat and straight into the pitcher. Ooh. Oh, nice one, straight in the back. And at number three, look, it's not just the players who, who make great catches. Have a look at this fan. The bat flies up into the crowd and bang. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice wow. little souvenir. Look at him. Very happy with himself. Up it goes. No trouble with the capture whatsoever. I reckon this one at number two may be even better. More impressive. He gets the bat, as you can see. And see what he still hangs on to? The beard in the right hand. <laughs> Always good, is it? Look, and he gets the kiss from the oh, missus. Yes. Everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Look at Look at me. <laughs> but number one. Look, if you're going to get out, take the fielder with you. The bat goes. He gets good. Oh. <laughs> 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 Getting the bat to go in the exact same direction as the ball is remarkable as well. Beautiful work for all those people, our top five bats going flying. The FFA has warned of the danger of expanding the A-League competition too soon. Yet Les Murray and Craig Foster reckon a Southern Sydney super team is ready to go now. Jules Schiller, is this wise? Well, the southern expansion, yes. which is what I've experienced after some good Adelaide eating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would... Um, look, I, I, don't, I think it is unwise. Obviously, there's issues with club owners in the A-League and, and, you know, that they don't feel that they have complete control of the decision-making process in regards to the A-League. Um, and this is a travelling circus of a club. They've, pro they've, they've proposed three grounds... So are the, the, the fans from Wollongong going to travel to Cronulla to watch the games and vice versa? Cogra, yep. Cogra. I, I, I mean, I think it's a great idea that that area of Sydney has given a Scott Chipperfield, Lucas Neal and a lot of great soccerers. And it is a very soccer-heavy um, part of the world, but I don't really see it I can't see working. Sydney supporting three, three A-League yeah. teams. I can't see Western Sydney, Sydney FC and a Southern Sydney team all bringing sustainable numbers week in, week out, especially if one of those teams is playing at three different home grounds. 
Yeah, it seems like Orlando and the people of Melbourne, they've got their two teams. Are they peeved that uh, if Sydney suddenly gets up a third? Oh, probably. Mm. Yeah, but maybe they just need to, you know. And, and the Wollongong Wolves is a great historic mm. kind of club and they had an FFA Cup match there and it was full. So why not, you know, use that club, use the brand and grow that? All right, well, Sydney FC, of course, is sitting pretty at the top of the A-League table with Melbourne City grabbing third spot this week with a tight win over the Mariners who lost goalkeeper Paul Izzo moments after he lost his mind uh, with this chance challenge that's pretty much uh, straight up and down red card isn't it Jules? Yes I mean it's it's got him around the arm. Yeah. If the head colour was darker red. than red, he would have shown yeah. that. Yeah. That's... <laughs> and if he'd thrown him into the sauce bottle, he wouldn't be allowed back into the ground. <laughs> exactly. Our top five last week was uh, keeper failures, you remember, and they just keep coming with a howler from Huddersfield keeper Joel Coleman, uh, as you can see here. And oh, oh. nods it on. Yeah, nods it on. Oh. That's exactly. Oh. And the other angle makes it look <laughs> even worse. Was he trying to head it? I yep. don't know, he probably wishes a hole would open up and swallow him, but then he's in Huddersfield, so he doesn't need one. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh. Sorry to all our Huddersfield yeah. viewers, sorry. Adelaide goes out swinging, <laughs> Some uh, celebration and vision for you now. Look, when you're on top of the EPL ladder, a lot of people want to shake your hand. doesn't seem to be a huge problem for Chelsea manager Antonio Conte until uh, he's already done the business and then uh, better wash that hand. Oh. And the other hand, oh, that was just dirty. He's the guy guy who would lift Ham. uses the elbow germaphobe no such problems for uh, Tottenham players Harry Kane and Dilley Ali uh, look at this these complicated things do you like these I'm guessing of the two of them, Harry Kane was not the guy who came up with that. <laughs> I think Kelly Ali came up with that. And Harry Kane has spent about a month practicing that. <laughs> Brilliant. In front of the mirror. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tim Cahill punches the corner post. Uh, Dries Mertens. Oh. Oh. Cocking the legs. Yes. Cocking the I love legs. it. Would you get a concern notice uh, for doing that? Yes, you would. You probably would. Be in your letterbox the next day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I do love it. There you go. Great celebration move. Uh, now, Adam, the Matildas, they're playing in... Portugal at the moment, and we watched together that a 2-1 win over China, and the go-ahead goal was pretty special. Talk me through this. Look at this, Ellie Carpenter, she's 16 years old. She's yeah. the millennial, born after the turn of this century, playing for the Matildas, first ever goal for them. And how much does she look like someone who's just surprised to be out there? It's like, <laughs> it's like the coach's daughter got a run on and she suddenly <laughs> scored. She's a defender, what a first great, ever goal. How good's that reaction? Fantastic, yeah. they play off for bronze against Huge. Denmark in this really prestigious international tournament. So go girls. The Swedish women's team's involved with this as well, yeah? yeah, yeah. Now, what have they been doing? Something a bit special with their... We faced the Swedes in the first round and the Swedish women's team, rather than putting their names on the back of their jumpers, yeah. are going with inspirational, empowering messages for women in sport. I'm not bossy, I'm the boss, for example. Nice. Yeah. So this is for just for this tournament? Just for this, this tournament. They, they beat us in the first round. We then beat the Netherlands and we'll face off against Denmark. But the Swedish girls have been using their back. Believe in your dreams. God, if I wore some of the tweets I received, it wouldn't be <laughs> on that one. <laughs> <laughs> be blurry. <laughs> Coming up, uh, he helped turn the porch light off in 2016. Sharks vice-captain Wade Graham joins us next. Glenn with his first touch of the ball. He's got a great right shoulder, Wade Graham. Terrific shot.
Yes, a Premiership player, State of Origin star, and one of the leaders at Cronulla. Wade Graham joins us. Welcome to the show. Lovely to have you here. Ah, thank you for having me. It's uh, my first appearance, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, look, I just having a look at that great vision of that huge hit you put on at the weekend. Over the off-season, did you miss running stupidly fast <laughs> into another man running stupidly fast in the opposite direction? When you say it like that, it makes it funny because you actually do miss it. You, yeah. you miss the contact. Um, I, I suppose that's the great thing about our sports. You know, you learn to love it. Some people don't love it, but you do learn to love it, and, uh, yeah, you miss it in off-season. Did you... You didn't get the money, obviously, in that first-up game. Uh, is there... A, you obviously, feel, do you feel the pressure of what happened last year? Do you decide you can't look at uh, the grand final glory anymore? you just got to be new season, and away you go? Oh, I don't think so uh, just yet. Um, you know, as a group, as a team, we, we looked at the performance, and it's really sport 101. We just made too many errors and gave away too many penalties. I think um, across any sport, if you're coming up with that sort of performance, um, them things in your performance, you're always making it hard on yourself. So it's up to us to uh, you know, improve that area and improve it quick because we're going to Canberra who are coming off, of, off the back of a loss themselves. So it's, uh, it's, it's a tough start to the year and um, you don't want to get too far behind in this competition. It's, it's very hard. Speaking of go going to Canberra, have you already uh, got a designated annoying player? <laughs> now that Mick Ennis isn't there, somebody who can annoy both the opposition players and the crowd, perhaps with the Viking clap, we can see him yeah. doing some of his great mm. work from last season. <laughs> I'm uh, really uh, glad Mick rolled all the fans up and the players and then he, uh, he decided to stop playing. So... <laughs> Now it's, now it's up to us. Yeah, to a few of the camera fans in the back there might be getting a letter from the NRL. What about your year last year? You played Origin for the first time and then to cap it off with the with the Premiership. Talk us through maybe Origin first and what that experience was like. Oh, it was certainly a great experience. Um, you know, dream come true. I remember sitting up as a young kid with my dad watching all the origins and, um, you know, as you progress and, and get to the NRL, it's, you're certainly always looking to achieve uh, as far as you can go and origin was always on the, on the, uh, the radar. So to finally get there, although... A week to, late. Uh, a, week, a week late. <laughs> um, you know, it's certainly a very special special occasion and to, to do it in Sydney in front of my family and, and to get the win was, uh, yeah, it was certainly a dream come true. You just mentioned Mick Ennis before. Tell us about the two Mick Ennises, because we see him around here and love him, and he's almost like a Methodist minister, perfectly mm. dressed, very genial, and then on field the big sledger. But how does it all fit together? Yeah, he's a bit like um, a Jekyll and Hyde personality, Mickey. Um, he's, a, he's a great family man. Uh, he's, you know, he adores his kid and his, and his partner, and he's the most mild-mannered person you'd, you'd meet off the field. But then... You know, you can, you can feel him during the week as uh, the training session is just closer to the game and then on game day in the sheds about 15 minutes before, um, before the footy's starting to kick off, he just turns into another person and um, <laughs> he's, he's ultra-competitive and, and his style of play, he made him over his career about just how he used to get into opponents and, um, you know... I, I played long enough to get both sides of Mickey and... Um, Sled you? Yeah, he got, me, got into me a bit when I was young, but um, I certainly enjoyed my time playing with him and um, I suppose that part of his game made him so good and he was a great as asset for us. I, I just want to show you, uh, Way, a, a photograph, or a couple of photographs, actually, because there have been... You know, you're a good-looking rooster, obviously. Uh, there's another man that many people, and we've done it on the show before, we've shown that you do look a little bit like... Buddy Franklin. Oh, uh, any excuse. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be talking to Tony about global warming. What about the Franklin Dam? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, tell me that's not uncanny. Have you seen that likeness before? Uh, I've actually um, 
I might have to ring Buddy and apologise. I actually had an argument with a lady at Rose Hill Races once because she came up to me and asked for a photo thinking I was Buddy. <laughs> and then when I told her I, uh, I wasn't Buddy, she thought I was, you know, taking the piss out of her. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she thought you were Buddy being rude. She, she thought I was Buddy being rude, so I don't know if, they, if the Swans got a call and, um, <laughs> and got a complaint against Buddy, but I've got to take that one for him. There's a small matter of him being six foot five. No yeah, disrespect. That's true, yeah. Unless you were sitting down, there's one... If she's any, any serious Buddy Franklin fan, yeah. it's pretty clear you're not yeah. the man. I suppose um, our bank accounts are a bit... Different as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind taking on buddies if he wants to swap that. <laughs> well, Jules saw another. Didn't you see another person with something yeah. similar? Yeah. Let's have a look. And there's a visitor to this country also has a pretty good bank balance. Adele, look at Adele's uh, husband. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not no, sure. I was referring to Adele. <laughs> Adele. <laughs> you picked that up, Jules. <laughs> terrible. Uh, are you a fan of Adele? Well, oh, I do like her music. <laughs> I don't know about her husband. <laughs> Have you got shades like that with the service station? <laughs> if I grow the uh, beard out a bit more, I can get like him. <laughs> you, you talk about your family. You talk about Mick Ennis and his family. And you're growing up with a, a family of, of three sisters. Yep. Uh, we had Laurie Daly on, and he used to be dressed in, you know, they'd dress him in girls' clothes, do the whole thing, push around the pram. Did you have the same kind of experience? Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh you got, where'd you get these from? Yeah. <laughs> They're good. Can't say too much. Uh, uh, yeah, it was definitely a female-dominated uh, house growing up. I uh, never won too many battles, but it, um, you know, taught me a lot of lessons for later life, just to keep your mouth shut and get on with it. So. <laughs> and I also, in that photo, you, you were wearing red and white there. Gee, you look like a young Buddy Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> See? Speaking of life lessons, you've had um, some lows and some low lows in your career and then the big highs. Can you tell us about, maybe from an athlete's perspective, what you've learnt from being at Cronulla and banned for the three months during the Asada saga to then seeing that club being able to turn it around, which is the complete opposite to what we've seen happen with Essendon in the AFL and, and win the Premiership last year? Yeah, I think, um, like in sport or in life, probably in general, when you go through any adversity, the, the biggest lessons you learn are about yourself. Um, you know, there's a lot of time spent with looking at the man in the mirror and you really find out uh, what makes you tick and, uh, you know, how much you're willing to endure, uh, endure to keep going and, and to get to your goals and, and to put up with. And with us, um, obviously with the group, it really, I suppose, can make and break a group because you're out there and it, it seems like it's just used together and, um, you know, it really galvanised us at the Sharks. Uh, I know we had a, two th a bad 2014, which was directly after. Oh, sorry, that was directly before when we were still going through... Yep. Um, everything but to come through it in 2015 to rebuild and then obviously go on to last year 2016 I think um, you know in hindsight it really made the beginnings of a really tough club and you know set set us on our journey. Wade we've, you're part of those that that sort of sporting history where clubs had breakthrough wins and we think of obviously Western Bulldogs you guys uh, but some clubs like Leicester, or say Adelaide United, who had those first wins have struggled, you know, in, in the next season. Is that something you've talked about with the Sharks? You know, going from that huge emotional high to getting back into the business of a whole season and having to do it again? Yeah, I think it's important just to turn the page. Um, you know, 2016, 2016, it's over. And for us, you know, we just have, we have to look forward. And that's about remaining obviously focused on, on looking in front. Um, the NRL competition is... You know, in, in my opinion, one of the hardest, the hardest competition in the world. The team who comes last is coming last, can beat the team who's coming first on any given day. So, um, you know, it's, 
it's a week-to-week thing in the NRL. You have to stay on all the time. You have to prepare your best all the time. And, um, you know, that's no different from us. So uh, that's the way forward for us for this year. And, um, you know, we need to, like I said, it starts this weekend in Canberra. We need to get off to a win. What was your madness? You know, the, the madness of winning a first premiership. Is there any celebration moment in the shy that you thought, oh, this is just out of control? Oh, I think when you have... For me, it's it just amazing to see uh, probably the gratitude more from people. Like, more mm. people say thank you than congratulations, which, you know, the, how proud the Shire was of us as a team to finally be able to take the premiership back there, um, to see, you know, grown men crying in the pub saying thank you, thank you, and um, just the pride in, in people in Cronulla. They're still down there now. They walk a little taller and their, their heads a little, you know, up a little higher, and they're really proud of their community down there, and... Um, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of it and I'm, I'm so grateful that I had a chance to do it. I was a grown man crying too, but that's because I'm a St George Illawarra fan. <laughs> Wade Graham, lovely to chat with you. Thanks so much for dropping by and all ah, the best. Thank you for having me. There guys. is Wade Graham coming up, our champ of the week. Oh, look, I didn't, that was nothing to do with me. Uh, Kel, did you know that the Dragons won 42-10 over Penrith? Penrith, of course, one of the uh, heavyweights' favourites for the Premiership, but there you go, not my idea. Kel obviously also insists that uh, we have a bit of golf in the show every week, um, particularly when it shows a player employing course management. Check out Jordan Spieth's youth of the angles here at the weekend. Look at that. Up it goes, and yup. Down it comes. Andrew, uh, Adam, you must have seen that kind of angle work before. Yeah, absolutely. It's just predictive what? geometry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's so easy. Isn't that amazing? It's just fluke, isn't it? How he is that? He knew. He yeah. knew. You could see him getting behind the ball. He knew exactly where it was going. That's just a fluke. No, it's not. We've, uh, we've seen some giant gators, too, on golf courses in Florida before on this program. I'm not sure what's scarier, though, the <gasps> gator or the giant fish. It's <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> <laughs> carrying. <laughs> Marlin. What the hell is that? Oh, my goodness. Just amazing. Uh, and back straight towards the water. Well done, Wally. Love it. Uh, there you go. There's golf in Florida. Terrific place to be. Time now, though, for our champ of the week, brought to you by Kumo Tyre. How could we go past the Perth Wildcats going back-to-back -to, -back to claim their eighth NBL title? A three-zip sweep of the Illawarra Hawks. Been amazing season, though, propping up the table dead last come December, I think it was, before yep. the arrival of uh, star import Bryce Cotton. Former NBA guard, he smashed it in Sunday's decider. 45 points in that win. Sadly, that is where we have to leave you. Thank you for your company. Thank you for yours. We'll see you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.